One of the most effective status straw men is the Ebenezer Scrooge capitalist, the wealthy, greedy, selfish hoarder that just wouldn't voluntarily help the poor. The majority of folks believe this is a norm throughout civil societies, and to remedy it, they've decided that the state should be trusted to reallocate private property to the poor. Practically speaking, the implemented solutions basically combine class feudalism, job rationing through minimum wage and regulations, false hopes and lower standards through affirmative action and the higher education scam, and a small pittance with many strings attached, also known as welfare. These policies are millennia old and have failed the most vulnerable members of society, low-skilled, impoverished adults and their children, for just as long. Small and big L libertarians have failed to effectively defend their pitch and position that while self-interested, rationally, nobody achieves their maximum satisfaction isolated in a tunnel. And happiness, being the end goal, is ultimately thwarted by humanitarian crisis and tragedy. It is the reason that politics mobilize so so many millions of people. Even though cycle after cycle, voters get nothing but empty promises and less personal and economic freedoms. And the market is far more efficient if free of government and, and, and free of interference at delivering what it is that people want. The number of individuals globally that actually genuinely do care about eliminating poverty and human suffering are in the billions. Basically, anybody who isn't suffering themselves. To the vast majority of people, achieving lasting happiness is extremely difficult if and when suffering is all around them. It's why in 2015, U.S. citizens alone donated over $358 billion to charities. Already, just now, without changing anything, as is, it's equivalent to approximately 35% of the revenues the federal government takes in through social insurance taxes. Further, there's actually a monetary and financial incentive for business people to be good Samaritans. Adam Smith, while credited for his important though flawed work, The Wealth of Nations, rarely receives credit he deserves for his, in my opinion, far more important work, The Theory of Moral Sentiment. Within this book that never quite received the mainstream appreciation as his most famous treatise, Adam makes the undisputable case that in order to be successful in a civil society, you must develop social capital. You must be known as trustworthy. You must be a decent person. And as social norms progress, you must conform to the social norms. One cannot be successful for a long time while also living out a depiction of the Dickensian view of the capitalist, the Ebenezer Scrooge capitalist. Even if modest levels of success are reached, the capitalist, by being a douchebag and not being liked by their community, is necessarily lowering the upper bound of their potential wealth. Further, the Scrooge capitalist creates more and more enemies that may seek vengeance through innovative and creative disruption to the status quo or whatever it is that makes the Dickensian capitalist's business work. Despite their lack of social capital, it obviously, you know, you follow the logic. Basically, what I'm getting at is that the, the Dickensian capitalists only exist if they have a total monopoly, and that can only exist if you have government aiding them to get that and coercing the market and forcing them to, to purchase it. The pursuit of and, and maintenance of wealth requires in a free society that you maintain or even increase personal social capital. 
as not to have your business boycotted or to have a bunch of social justice warriors cause a bunch of uh, hassle end up getting ousted from your own company. You must genuinely be liked by enough people or valued by enough people that you're able to get people to work for you at competitive wages. To the consumer's benefit, not loss, you must deliver a product and or service that the consumer values more than the money they spend on it. You must produce more than you consume to ultimately build wealth. And that increases the net abundance of goods and services. That decreases the the price as the law of marginal diminishing utility would demonstrate. So you end up with more goods at lower prices, services too. You must do all this better than anyone else, or at least competitively relative to your industry peers, in order to be successful. I'm your host. This is the Macro View. All right, folks, we've got a great show for you. As you can see, tonight we're going to be fully debunking the what I believe is the state's most effective uh, straw man, and that's the, the Ebenezer Scrooge capitalist. Um, you know, it's the wealthy, greedy hoarder, you know, just won't help the poor. And in the opening monologue, I discussed the, the, the status quo that statists have implemented and the flawed logic behind it. I also debunked the, the depiction of the capitalist as an Ebenezer Scrooge character, caricature uh, and the capitalist system rewarding as being a, a rewarding system to people that are like that. I showed him by and large, just looking at the numbers uh, the American wealthy and even the American wealth, middle class are overwhelmingly charitable, despite all that government already does. So aside from the fact that people, the wealthier they become, the more abundance there is, find joy and happiness in preventing or fixing humanitarian tragedies, uh, let's look, look at another argument. So just from an allocation standpoint, an allocation efficiency, government's actually extremely inefficient and wasteful when it comes to charitable uh, welfare state operations. Um, you know, they're supposed to help lift people out of poverty. And, it, and the cost of, uh, it's a, this is the title of a, a journal article, it's called the, the Cost of Public Income Redistribution and Private Charity. Um, it's in the Journal of Libertarian Studies from 2007. Uh, author J.R. Edwards uh, cites two large-scale studies from, past, from the past to demonstrate how horrible the allocation of these valuable and, and very scarce welfare, charitable resources, um, how, how poorly allocated they actually are. And essentially in the study, it's a very good one, and it demonstrates and verifies with, with other third-party studies um, it, just how inefficient government is. And basically, they come up with, I'm going to read you a quote here from the study, but basically, they came up with a, a 30-70 rule, whereas charities were flipped. They're 70-30, and, and they'll make a little bit more sense after I read the quote. So Edwards wrote, government income redistribution agencies are estimated to absorb two-thirds of each dollar budgeted to them in overhead costs, and in some cases, as much as three-quarters of each dollar. Using government data, Robert L. Woodson, this is one of the studies he cites, calculated that on average, 70 cents of each dollar budgeted for government assistance goes not to the poor, but to the members of the welfare bureaucracy and others serving the poor. Michael Tanner, in 1996, cites regional studies supporting this 70-30 split. In contrast, Administrative and other operating costs in private charities absorb on average only one-third or less 
of each dollar donated, leaving the other two-thirds or more to be delivered to recipients. Charity Navigator, the newest of several private sector organizations that rate charities by various criteria and supply that information to the public on their websites, found that as of 2004, 70% of charities they rated spent at least 75% of their budgets on the programs and services they exist to provide, and 90% spent at least 65%. The median administrative expense expense among all charities in their sample was only 10.3%. That's the median. That means 50% of the sample is below that. 50% of the sample is above that. Edwards later added, in fact, the average cost of private charity generally is almost certainly lower than one quarter to one third estimated by Charity Navigator and other private sector charity rating services for at least two reasons. For one, many are either run by or affiliated with religious organizations where much of the labor is donated, further reducing overhead costs. Charity Navigator does not even include religious charities in its huge sample focusing instead only on tax-exempt 501c3 organizations required to file informational tax returns. Perhaps more important, an unmeasured but certainly very large fraction of private charitable aid is administered directly to recipients by kin without any institutional intermediation at all. This widespread family, private family charity and sim- similar gifts is the only case in which a dollar-for-dollar charitable income transfers can occur. Raising only half as much money through voluntary donations, the private agencies and families could deliver the same amount as the government, saving in the process all the costs the government imposes on the public through compulsory taxation. Ultimately, to make the pitch to people, that is the end of the, what I'm saying is ultimately to make the pitch to people that are on the brink of accepting this, this truth the inefficiencies combined with the fact that, you know, the pitch I gave earlier that the Ebenezer Scrooge capitalist just doesn't work in a civilized society. People are generally good, and there's monetary and financial incentives to do so. And if you don't, the, the competitors can come in and steal your market share just by basically doing the same thing but being a better person and having a better public image. And, you know, next time you're having this debate with somebody, put it to them. Next time they bring it up. Explain the, Ebenezer, the, the logic behind why the Ebenezer Scrooge capitalist just isn't true, and also explain that you know, even if – which it's, it, it, if you don't take into account all of the wonderful things that having less taxation and having less regulation will bring about through private individual entrepreneurs taking risks and, and, and innovating and disrupting industries, leaving all of that out, even if there are just – as is, there's two options. And you have to choose one of them. Either the government compulsory, uh, you know, compulses you to put up or go to jail. You know, they steal money from you. They tax you to redistribute to other people. Or in this world, you know, in this thought experiment, the only alternative is voluntary charity. Which is how a lot of the statists out there you know, look at this, is that, oh, well, you don't really get benefits from capitalism. Capitalism creates more inequality, and they don't look at the fact that even if there is more inequality, which is highly disputable, and I did an episode on that in episode six, but even if there was, the standard of living is just so much better in capitalist countries than in any other system 
and for the poorest people, for the poorest of the poor. So, you know, and also a lot of those studies look at look at uh, income inequality. They don't take into account the existing welfare state that already exists and, and what gets distributed out. But even if these were the only two options and you just forget about all the benefits you get from an unencumbered free market, you have a government, which spends 70% of the stolen money that they take from you first to get less than one third of said money to the poor. Or you have private charities, which do exactly the opposite. They spend less than a third of their revenues on overhead to get 70% of the aid to the poor. Which would you, which would, you know, just ask the next person that's bringing this up, which would they prefer? Or do they think that that's a system that can continue to exist and, and get out of here? You know, 70% overhead compared to, they just, if they were private charities, nobody would donate money to them. Other competitive charities would step in and steal their entire market of donations. The comparison is not even close. The fact of the matter is that charitable donations increase more rapidly as people have more money and as goods are more abundant. The propensity to donate is similar to the propensity to save. If the, you know, the $2 trillion in federal and state tax revenues that go to social insurance and charitable welfare spending were left in the hands of private individuals to begin with, you know, rough, rough estimates would put you – you know, put the increase uh, in charitable donations somewhere in the range of probably 60 to 100 billion, just based on kind of where they're at. Right now, they're about 3%. They might, you know, go up to about 3.3% of income, and you have an additional $2 trillion or so in income. So you get a, a, a fat chunk of additional charitable donations. And, you know, this would move the total up to somewhere in the 420 to 460 billion. And you couple that with reduction in you know, some of the 1.9 trillion in regulatory regulatory compliance costs that are imposed on businesses, uh, that would in- increase corporate charity. It would increase incomes. It would lower prices, and it would look you know all of that would lower poverty rates. And you'd find yourself somewhere in probably the 600 to 700 billion in charitable do- donations. Com- couple that with sig- the significantly lower costs, which would be an effective both less taxation and a, a much more clean and, and less burdensome regulatory compliance landscape, you know, you're, you're significantly reducing poverty and you're, being, you're benefiting the poor overwhelmingly more so than any other group by having both lower prices, more job availability, and you're having more efficient charitable donations to reach the people who are slipping through the, cac- cra- slipping through the crack at any given time. Um, you know, the bottom line is, is that the, the Dickensian capitalist is an extreme outlier, you know, the, the Scrooge capitalist, and finds themselves have, they, they find themselves having a very tough time maintaining success as their so- social ca- capital diminishes. And people no longer want to associate with them when, you know, it's kind of public knowledge that they're just a douchebag. And absent of government compulsion – you know, to purchase the goods and services provided by the enterprise that's owned by this Scrooge capitalist, their general shittiness will just lead to a reduction in their wealth, and eventually through competition, it'll put this asshole out of business. They just don't exist. I mean, look what happened to Donald Sterling. He got his entire, you know, he got his life ruined for saying a couple things in private that was being recorded. You know, I mean, you, and and that happened. You know, there was some, you know, arm wringing involved and arm twisting involved in that situation. 
Um, but there's, there's many other scenarios. There's a, a recently a CEO, I can't remember exactly which one. I think it was you know, one of the founders of Netscape, and he was sitting on the board of a big tech company. And it, you know, it, it, it became public knowledge that he had donated something like $5,000 to an anti-gay marriage bill like two decades ago. And uh, you know, he got ousted just for that. So, you know, I mean, if you're saying that, that people could be just like really, really horrible, shitty people, not donate anything to charity, never go to their, you know, their friends foundation events and stuff like that, and never just be like, oh, no, I, I don't do charity. And people would still continue to do business with them. It's insane. And charitables also, charities are also far more efficient than the government. Understanding that people, you know, finally, you know, the, the last thing that I want to leave everybody with is, is that, you know, if you understand that people find joy and in, in happiness in helping the less fortunate and that there is a monetary, rational self-interest in doing so and that social capital does exist, then coupling that with the fact that private charities are undeniably and overwhelmingly more efficient in allocating these scarce and very valuable resources that are trying to go to help the least fortunate in society are far more efficient at doing it than the state, the state and their command and control welfare bureaucracy. It becomes abundantly clear that the state is most effective straw man in a society of abundance is based on ultimately flawed logic and misinformation and based on a fallacy. All right, everybody, that's it for tonight. Hope you enjoyed the show. Don't forget to like our page on Facebook, facebook.com slash the macro view. Follow us on Twitter. It's at the macro view on Twitter at the macro view. If you're not watching this or listening to this through uh, our, our show page, uh, which is macroviewnews.com slash the macro view, you know, check it out and you know, you can, you, it's a blog. You've got all our old episodes on there. You've got a number of pieces. Uh, you know, I talk about liberty. I talk about economics. I talk about, you know, the anarcho-capitalist uh, philosophy. I debunk status straw men. Uh, I do a bunch of stuff to try to advance the liberty movement and, and to try to promote logic and get people to actually think through the implications of what it is that they're saying and what it is that they're voting for and what it is that they're advocating that the state do there's nothing wrong with advocating wanting a better society and you know what you should go out there and one of the other things i promote is go out there and and try to accomplish it accomplish it in the marketplace and really want you guys to 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 help uh build this movement because i think we can get it going i think you know we can get a lot of people that uh will will start to actually think through the logic before they go and and, and just sign off on something that's political rhetoric that sounds good but when you follow the implications you end up having a lot of unintended consequences that actually adversely affect oftentimes the exact people that they're trying to help. Um, So so share it with your friends, share it with your family, uh, share it on Facebook, share it on Twitter. And until next time, I'll be back tomorrow night around the same time, around 930. Till next time, I'm your host, Andrew Smith, and I am 